How's it going, everybody? This is Pastor Justin. I'm so excited that you've tuned in to the 242 Young Adults Podcast. We're going through our series. This is part three of Conversations with Jesus. This is the third part of our series on redefining the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Last session, we took some time to talk about what it meant for the kingdom of God to come and the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're going to continue on discussing the rest of this iconic prayer. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's my prayer right now that whoever's listening, wherever you are at this moment in time, that this word would minister to you and that I pray that it challenges and changes your prayer life. So when we pray, give us today our daily bread. What do we mean by that? I mean, are we praying for God to provide for our physical needs or our finances, our health, etc.? Or are we praying for God to to help us in in our spiritual and emotional needs? Uh, What does it mean to give us today our daily bread? Are we simply just asking for what we need in any aspect? Or is it it really specific to, to food? When you look at the word give, it really means to grant a request of the one who asks and supply the necessary things. We often ask God to give, but are we accounting for whether we're asking for the necessary things? And what defines necessary? And we'll get back to that in a moment. For now, I want to focus on this word today. Uh, obviously, the definition means you know what's taking place right now, this day. Uh, and, and it made me begin to think as, as I was reading through and doing just a word study on this, how, how many times our prayer life focuses on the future instead of the present. We pray about the future of our finances, uh, our family, the future of our friends, the future jobs we may want to pursue, our future spouse, future children, maybe our future home. We make our prayer life so focused on the future that sometimes... We forget to pray about the very things that are taking place right now. Is it bad to pray for these things in the future? No. What was Jesus trying to teach us then? I think that behind this this phrase, give us today our daily bread. When you look at give us today, I think Jesus was trying to teach us that we are to request for God to supply necessary things each day. Our prayers should be a daily occurrence. When I talk with my wife, it's about things that are happening right now, primarily. Now, there may be times when we talk about the future. There may be times when we consider you know, the future of certain things in our relationship. But for the most part, when we're just sitting down 
having conversation together casually. It's about things that are taking place right now. I asked her how her day was. I asked her what would she end up doing while I was away at work. She asks me the same questions. Well, how was work? What did you do today at work? We talk about what is going on on a daily basis in our lives. And when Jesus prays, give us today, I think he was exemplifying that our requests to God, our prayers to God should be relational. Our prayer life is relational. And just like a husband and a wife, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, any type of friendship or relationship, their conversation is saturated, is consumed with what's taking place currently in the same way God desires our prayer life to cover, to be consumed with what is taking place in our lives on a daily basis. And I think give us today is a perfect example of how our prayers are meant to be relational with God. Each day we need to approach God and request for God to supply the necessary things. So what are the necessary things? And that really leads into the next phrase. Give us today our daily bread. It was not uncommon for sages, teachers like Jesus, during that time to use phrases from the Old Testament in their teachings. Because obviously the people they were teaching were so familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, using phrases from the Old Testament would instantly bring context to their teaching. It's like an illustration used in a sermon. Last week we had mentioned a Greek word and we used football as an example to kind of make a correlation between the meaning of that Greek word. In the same way that that was connected, right? We connected football with what we were teaching. Jesus and sages during that time would use the Old Testament scriptures to communicate the context of their teaching. So when Jesus uses the phrase, give us today our daily bread, instantly two things would have came to the disciples' minds. The first thing would be manna from heaven. In Exodus 16, we have this account where in the Old Testament, the Israelites were provided with daily bread. Moses explained that this manna, quote unquote, was bread from the Lord in Exodus 16:15 The people were instructed to gather only what they needed for each day. So I'll give you kind of a rundown. This was after the people of Israel were delivered from Egypt and at this moment in time they're in the middle of the desert and they start complaining. And they say, you know, we would have been better off in Egypt in slavery. At least we got to eat. And so God heard their complaining and he said, "You know what? I'm going to provide for them." this daily bread. And those who took more than they needed woke up the next day with rotten food. They could only take, the stipulation from God was that they could only take the amount of bread that they needed for that day. If they took any extra, it would have gone rotten by the next day. But he would always supply every single morning fresh bread from heaven. 
God was teaching the Israelites to rely on him each and every day, not to rely upon themselves. It wasn't about how much you could gather in one morning so that you could have for the next week, for the next week and a half. It wasn't about that at all. It was about how you could rely upon God on a daily basis. The second thing that would have came to the disciples' mind was the proverb of Agar. In Proverbs 30, verse 8 to 9, Agar cries out to God. He says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. This daily bread that he asks for is provision for his current need. Agur was at a point where he did not want more than what he needed. He understood that if he was to be given more than what he could handle, more than what he needed, he may have abused what God was giving to him. So he asked God, give me what I need. Our daily bread has to do primarily with reliance. Israel's daily bread taught them to rely on God. Agur's prayer for daily bread was to rely on God. Jesus taught reliance upon God a couple verses after this prayer. In Matthew 6, 31-33, it says, So do not worry. This is Jesus talking. This is verses after he shares this model of prayer for the disciples. He says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run around after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus taught that God knows your needs. These are the necessary things, the food, the drink, the the clothing, the shelter, maybe nowadays transportation. His command was that we seek the kingdom first, to rely upon God first. And when we rely upon Him, all of those things, all of those necessary things are taken care of. And even those extra things that aren't necessary. I want to encourage you. Learn from what Jesus was trying to teach you in this model of prayer. Rely upon Him every single day in your prayers. It's not about your own strength. It's not about how much you can do. But begin to recognize your need to rely upon God. As we continue on, we read, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When you look at that word forgive... It literally means to send away, to give up, or to keep no longer. When we ask God to forgive, this definition paints a two-part picture. You see, God, in essence, is the recipient of our sin. And I don't want you to get confused, but so just hang with me for a second. All right? When we sin, we literally are opposing the work of God. Our sin is directed against God. It's directed towards God. And now he has a choice now. 
to keep that sin, to hold that sin against us, or there's that choice to release that sin and keep it no longer. And when we come to God and we ask for forgiveness and we repent, there is a releasing of that sin. When God forgives us, he sends that sin away and keeps it no longer. A beautiful psalm, Psalm 103, 10 to 12 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgives, he removes our transgressions and sends them away. The word debt honestly means just that which is owed. And so because God is the recipient of our sin, we are indebted to him, almost like a loan. The scary thing is, we cannot do anything. There is nothing we can do to pay off that debt, that debt of sin. And that's why God sent Christ. Christ became that payment for the debt that we owed. And now we can have forgiveness. Not because of us, not because of anything that we could do on our own, but because of what Christ has done for us. These are all things to take into consideration when you're praying, forgive us our debts. I always, when I, I see this, I say, God, thank you for sending your son. For the very fact that my debts could be forgiven. I, God, I praise you. And this is where forgiveness is taken even further. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I was privileged enough to visit uh, Israel in the summer of 2012. I, I studied under uh, Dr. Mark Turnage. He's an expert in Hebraic language, geography, and culture. And he explains the idea of forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Mark explains that a couple centuries before Jesus' birth, Jewish culture increased in the belief that loving your neighbor, who is like yourself, was a precondition to being reconciled with God. In simple terms, God will forgive you according to how you forgive people. In essence, the idea was, if you're asking God to forgive your sins, why would God forgive you if you're completely unwilling to forgive someone else? If you're completely unwilling to walk in forgiveness towards your brothers and sisters. And Jesus says, right after he concludes this prayer, in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 6, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Can I tell you now, as serious as I could be, if you do not get anything out of this series, please get what I'm about to tell you. Walk in forgiveness. Because if you fail to, if you fail to walk in forgiveness, if you allow people 
who maybe even mistreat you, people who even do things against you that are wrong, and you hold something against them, if you hold bitterness and resentment towards these people, if you are unwilling to forgive, your forgiveness will be withheld from you. You have to recognize that if you do not walk in forgiveness, you are putting yourself in a position where you cannot receive forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness because your forgiveness depends on it. Finally, we conclude with lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That word lead really gives the idea of being brought into. Again, going back to the professor that I studied under in Israel, Mark Turner suggests that a more accurate Hebrew translation is, and do not bring us into the grasp of temptation. The idea of being in the grasp of something makes more sense when we view the following statement, but deliver us from evil. If you're not in the grasp of something, then you don't need to be delivered from it. And so what Jesus is praying is, do not bring us into a situation, do not allow us to bring ourselves into the grasp of temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver means to rescue, to draw to oneself. When God delivers us, He is rescuing us, He is drawing us to Himself. There is a separation from what God is delivering us from. In this instance, Jesus prays for God to deliver, to rescue us from evil and draw us to Him. The word evil used in this verse is not referred to to the devil himself. Some translations uh, will translate it as deliver us from the evil one. A more accurate translation would be to deliver us from evil. And that word evil brings the connotation of a bad or wicked nature. Jesus is in essence saying that people come into temptation because of their wicked nature. But if God is delivering us on a daily basis from the rule of our sinful nature, if God is delivering us from the temptation that is aroused by our sinful nature, then He will deliver us from that evil. He will deliver us from that nature that causes, that pushes us to be among temptation. I pray that this study has been a transformational study in the view of the Lord's Prayer, the view of the Our Father. And that as we've studied what Jesus was really teaching His disciples, that we could really integrate it into our prayer lives. I've created a prayer guide along with the Lord's Prayer in this series. And I would love uh, to send it to you via email, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you would like. Uh, so if you want a copy of this prayer guide, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, twitter.com at Justin Corkum. Uh, and you can also give me an email at jcorkum, C-O-R-K-U-M, at manchesterassembly.org. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to this session of Conversations with Jesus as we conclude this final part on 
the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. We're going to be picking up next week. My wife's going to be sharing a little bit about adding power to your prayer life. So until next time, thanks for checking out the 242 Young Adults Podcast. We'll catch you guys later. Thank you.